Awesome. Hello, everyone. Let's put our hands together for Richie. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, worship team. Put our hands together for the worship team. Charlotte was second week on keys this morning. Awesome. Good stuff. Who's excited to be in church? Anyone excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited because God's alive. Otherwise, it'd be boring, right? And we'll just be singing a heap of kumbaya. And, uh, but Jesus is in the room by his Holy Spirit. And that's why we're here, to meet with him. And God's doing great stuff around our nation and our world. And um, we're a part of that in Timaru. Uh, we're connected with the whole heap of churches across the, world, uh, across the nation and the world. And they're essentially connected with the whole heap of other churches. God's doing great stuff, I believe, uh, in our nation. For example, I was talking to a friend just the other day who's gone up the pastors in Nelson at the moment, and uh, they went up last month, so this is Equippers Nelson, um, and uh, in the last month, I've seen six people give their life to Jesus in a month. Stuff like that makes it into the Bible. You can clap. Stuff like that makes it into the Bible. One lady in the Bible got recorded, I think it was Lydia, she gave her life to the Lord and made it into the Bible. Six people in Nelson in the last month. One of those guys apparently was just out of jail Still had an ankle bracelet, gave his life to Jesus, and apparently is going to get married soon. I don't know how that works and how he met someone in a month. Uh, another story was um, friends of a friend's, uh, they couldn't have children, and the church got together and prayed. Eleven months later, they have a child. Our God is alive. Someone in Christchurch, connected with churches in Christchurch, just got healed of cancer. This is a mate of mine, the same guy who's gone to Nelson, just got hit of cancer. He went in before his uh, operation. They couldn't find a trace. Bend your mind around that one. Jesus is alive and is a healer. We're a move of God, and this stuff's happening in New Zealand. And it's happening in Timaru. Last week in Timaru, we had three people recommit their lives to Jesus. That's three more in heaven. And we've seen hundreds over the years in this church give their life to Jesus. You may think, well, there's not hundreds here right now, but... Who cares? They're in the kingdom of God. I don't care if they go to another church here or Nelson or in Afghanistan or wherever they go in the world, they're going to carry something in them because of the stuff that was going on in our church here. And we're a part of that in Samaru, yeah? Cool. Last week, Jerry jumped up and shared that he got healed uh, from a karate um, injury. So I thought, man, God's doing some amazing stuff around this world, and I think Christianity is in the strongest place it's ever been since they threw the world uh, if you're not convinced, I've got some um, some photos to to show you. If you could cue the photos, I'll throw the first one up there. Um, this is this is South Korea. This is a, a Christian gathering in South Korea. Uh, there's quite a few people there. Next photo. Uh, Hillsong Conference. If you've been to Hillsong Conference, this one's probably in Australia, I think. People gathering under the name of Jesus and lifting him up. Next photo. Uh, Freetown in Sierra, Sierra Leone, is that how you say it? It's Western Africa, people gathering under the name of Jesus. Next, uh, Singapore, another big gathering of the church that we're connected to globally. Another one, um, Nigeria. The crowds and some of these African things, people like in the millions give their life to Jesus on a single day. Like a million people give their life. There's like a, a third of New Zealand. Our God is alive and He's moving. And the fact that we live in in, in uh, small town Timaru does not limit our God and what He can do in Timaru. Does anyone believe that? Next photo. Uh, this is Shout Conference last year. 
And look, and look who's yours truly made it into the photo. Hey! It's because everyone else had left to go up the front, and I was like a bit hard-hearted and stayed in my seat, and I was standing all by myself, and I made it in the photo. How cool is that? Uh, and there's one more of shout. Um, so this is, uh, again, as to push what Rishi said, man, get yourself in a space which is bigger than what we're involved in here. It will raise your level of faith of what God can do in our church and what he can do uh, in Timaru. Amen. My parents just walked in the door. Heroes of the faith up the back corner. You're not getting it in without a clap. Awesome. Cool, we're going to pray and we're going to rip into it. Hey, Father, thank you that you're uh, doing amazing stuff around this earth. We thank you that that doesn't um, stop in other nations and big, massive communities. It's, it, it, it carries on with us right across the world. And uh, this morning, make my words yours and uh, that you would move amongst us, Father. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Also, it's not just about the big crowds. I couldn't even put up the numbers of people that go to, uh, you know, uh, uh, connecting into a church and giving their lives to Jesus in countries like China, uh, India, those that are underground and don't have the ability to meet in a big open air space. Man, God's doing awesome stuff right throughout our world. Cool. Awesome. Who wants lasting change in their life? Two people. Awesome. We turn up this morning. Who wants lasting change as opposed to temporary change? I believe that I came to church because I want a lasting change. God to change something lasting in my life, not just for this coming week. And uh, see, the thing is, not willpower, because then, you know, if, if willpower runs out, then change isn't there. But lasting change, that's going to happen this morning, I believe, for a lot of people. Cool? Have you ever said something, yes for something, and, re- and then wondered why ever you said yes? Maybe, it's, maybe I'm wondering that right now. Uh, now maybe it's a, a new job for you where you're like yeah I got a new job and then you go to turn up on the first day and you're like oh man this is this is like really hitting home right now maybe you're having dinner with a family that you didn't know and you, you said yes and then you're standing on the doorstep push the doorbell and you're like this is going to be awkward a few hours maybe you know or for us at the moment we're having a new baby and it's like poof the baby's actually coming in two weeks time For me, I was thinking about when a situation where I've said yes to something and then and realized, what have I done? I was playing at a university in Dunedin, and I'm a soccer lad for those that um, round ball uh, as opposed to an oval ball. And um, I'd never played a game of rugby, and I'm 19, right? Never. And obviously, I'm bulk, so it's not a problem. But I said yes to playing a game. And uh, so... Turned up and standing on the sideline and realizing, what am I getting myself into? And those that are playing rugby are like, you're a pansy. What are you scared about, right? But uh, I realized that you do need something for rugby. It's called size. And it doesn't matter how much skill you have. Unless you've got a lot of skill, then you need size. And uh, you need someone in in the team to give the ball to. You know who can really own stuff. So I got. Uh, you need a slide um, to put up. You need something, someone like, um, you know, this guy here, uh, where you can just chuck the ball to and go, here you go. And he just look out. Look at he's about to punch him in the face, like fin him in the face. So the thing is, when you've got someone like Jonah Lomu on your team, as opposed to Matt Ross, or somebody, we were actually a team of misfits. There was about one guy who'd ever played rugby, social grade, and I managed to get sent off. Actually, uh, I played for a Christian team. And you got sent off. It's not a good look. Uh, as I didn't know the rules. And um, so I tried to tackle someone when I wasn't supposed to. And um, anyway, when you have someone on your, on your side that's, that's, that's awesome and knows what they're doing, 
they give courage to those of the rest on the team. Is anyone, is anyone with me, right? You got, regardless if you've never played rugby, if you've got someone who does something awesome and they're on your side, it gives you an amount of courage. We're going to talk about encouragement today, um, but the word encouragement's got courage in it. And so we're going to talk about courage for a bit first, and then we're going to get into encouragement. So, the story in the Bible. Actually, the first point, if you're taking notes, is um, uh, I, it's got a couple of C's in it. It sounds snazzy. It says, courage is caught. So, David and Goliath. If you haven't heard the story in First Samuel, I'm going to read a bit. So, there's two armies, the Philistines and the Israelites. They f- and it, we'll pick it up. No slide for this one. I'll just read it out. They faced each other on the opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a bronze coat of mail, 125 pounds, basically John Alamu. He was also wore bronze leg armor and uh, a bronze javelin in his shoulder. Goes on and describes some other stuff out about him. Basically, this dude's an ugly dude, and he's massive. Goliath stood and, sh- and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion. You only serve it to Saul. Choose one man, come down and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. If I kill him, you'll be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And Saul and the Israelites heard this. They were terrified and deeply shaken. See, I think that they almost signed up for something and then realized what have we got ourselves into. They're already at the war. They've already got there. And they're like, man, what are we doing? There was no courage among them. I, I haven't got the numbers, but I think this went on for like something like 40 days where each morning they got up. Each morning they mustered up what strength they thought they had and they thought, we can do this. And it never happened. It probably lasted a few minutes before they realized they had no courage. Every day they tried, and every day they failed. What about us? Where are we stuck in our lives? Where are we stuck with a lack of courage to take what God's gotten for us? Maybe it's a bad habit in your life. Maybe it's, that's the giant that's yelling at you that, that you'll never overcome this. Maybe you're, you know, you'll always be like this. Maybe it's your health. Your health's not great. Maybe that's your giant that's standing across the valley from you and saying, nah, man, you, you're always going to be sick. That miraculous stuff happens for other people, but not you. Maybe it's finance struggles that you've got in your life at the moment. Maybe you're looking at your bank balance and it's yelling at you. Maybe it's depression and anxiety. I don't know what it is for you, but even now as I speak, I believe there's people in this room where giants are yelling at at you. Giants are yelling at me. We all have some kind of giant that yells, holding us back. Even as I speak, I have giants on my own. We've all got giants. So here's the good news. You ready for the good news? Yeah, courage is caught. It's kind of like a cold. Just catch it. Just happens. So enter David. Um, I'm going to read the scripture. And um, keep in mind that David is, I've spoken on this before, David's known as the son of David. And he's a shadow of Jesus Christ. He's in the time before Jesus. But in, in a few ways, he represents what Jesus did for us. So when I read this, just keep in mind Jesus in the back of your mind. Yeah? Cool? No slide for this one also. He arrived at the camp. This is David. Just as the Israelites were leaving for battle with shouts and battle cries, soon the Israelite and, and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. And then further down it says, Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Soon as the army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. And then if you skip down to verse 26, it says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, 
What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending the defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he was allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So notice a couple of things here. Notice how the army, when they saw what was going on, they were concerned about the size of the giant. It says, have you seen the size of the giant? David was more concerned about the words that the giant was bringing. Could it be that God is more concerned about, he's, he's not so much concerned about the situation that you're in, the size of our problems, but he's more concerned about the discouragement that it brings into our life that keeps us from God's purposes. Because these are the things, the discouragement that comes in is what defies God. It says, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him reaching into his shepherd bag and taking out a stone. And he hurled his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. Stone sank in, Goliath stumbled and fell down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled off Goliath's sword from his sheath and used it to kill him and cut off his head. Pretty brutal. (laughs) See, David killed the giant, silenced him. You got your head cut off, you can't talk no more. No more discouragement coming from that. And then it says that the Israelites move forward in battle. See, the courage is caught by the army. When they saw David go out and take down the Goliath, the rest of the army was like, previously discouraged, was like, they caught something. Maybe I suggest that if we want to catch courage in our lives, then we ought to look to the one who is the most courageous one and goes out before us. I don't, if you've been in church a while, I don't need to tell you that it's Jesus. He is the courageous one that he goes out before us. I think it was probably like in the army, when they saw David, they were like, you know, there's a few dudes and they're like, did David just do that? Jason, you know, Jason, get your stuff. We're going, you know, like, like this has happened. We've been 40 days going around in a circle and all of a sudden something changes. When they see the courage of the one who runs out before them. Jesus runs out before you in your life and has silenced the enemy. He has silenced the giant that speaks out against us. It says that Jesus, I've got a slide here. It said, then Jesus made a public spectacle out of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Colossians 2.15. So if God can be for us, who can be against us? I hope that's something catching. Are, we with, are you with me this morning? So number one, what was number one? Courage is caught. Number one, courage is awesome. Number two, courage is carried. So when I was playing rugby for this um, first division team, <laughs> the only there was one guy, as I said, who was a great rugby player. The rest of us were misfits. And um, there was a time where we'd booted the ball way down the other end, and, and one of the opposition caught the ball. And um, I was fairly fit. That's what I had going for me. I could run run around for all day, nothing else. So. And uh, we were running, me and this guy who actually was good at rugby, towards this towards this other dude running back towards it, you know, like we're about to clash sort of thing. 
The only reason why I only had any real courage was running that guy, because I knew that there was someone beside me who knew what they were doing. See, when you see Jesus, you carry courage through your day. I want to skip on a wee bit in David's life. And um, so David, after the David and Goliath scene, uh, later in life he found himself hiding in a, in a cave. Uh, he had um, annoyed a, his own people, the king of his own people. And so he's hiding in a cave. How many know it's a bad day? Who hid in a cave last week? <laughs> you might be one down the scenic. Don't go hide there. Come and talk to someone. Um, so anyway, he's, he's hiding in a cave, and it said that those that rallied around him were discouraged. Well, pretty much it says that. It says, all those who were in distress or debt or discontented, uh, discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men. Like a like the 4D army, like they were in distress, debt, discontented, and probably discouraged, right? So this is a group of dudes who's really hiding in a cage. They're not just hiding, they're actually a bunch of really discouraged people. And um, let me just get this here. I'm not going to read the story, but these guys who hung out with, with um, David in the cave... Fast forward in their lives. They came to David as a three, four, four D army, discouraged and discontented, etc., etc. And later in life, they turned out to be the mighty men of David. See, it's funny, right? Like, these guys turn up, hang out with David, and then the end result is they're mighty. What happened in between? Obviously, they caught courage because David was a great um, role model. But then there was something about that hanging out with him enabled them to carry courage in their own world to win their their battles, right? So there was one guy, he just, it says in the Bible that he killed 800 dudes. One dude versus 800. So there's like this auditorium filled like three times or four times over and one guy. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Another guy, he, I think it says that he, um, his hand froze to the sword because he was fighting so hard. Uh... Another guy, I mean, you might have heard this story. I've, uh, I think his name's Ben Anaya. Says he killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. And I've heard this talked about a number of times, but when you actually think about it, it is fairly full on. Like, why was he in a pit with a lion? Did he go into the pit with the lion? Or was he already in a pit camping and a lion came in? And it's snowing. So this is a very difficult situation for this dude. And, and, and when you think about it, he's one of the guys who used to be discouraged, in debt, discontented with life, and now it says he, he killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. I got a photo of uh, a lion on a snowy day. So it looks quite big, right? It's quite big. It probably actually looked this big to him in real life because it's when it's standing in person, it's, it's a fairly surmountable problem. And I was just thinking around this, and... So, so what's going on inside a person when they're full of courage, when they're carrying courage, when they're carrying not just courage, but courage that God has given them? What's going on inside of a person's mind and a heart? What's going on in your mind where you have a week where you're victorious? And I've got a wee clip that I'm going to play in a minute, and it's fairly full on, but it is, I think it kind of sums up potentially what's going on inside Ben and I's mind when he is in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Okay, so we're going to play this and take a listen. It goes for about three minutes. So you uh, cue the track there, John. Today is a new day. It will bring brand new blessings, 
and brand new battles. But within every uncertainty, there is hidden possibility. So I don't dread any challenge that lies ahead because I remember all the victories behind. And my confidence is not in my circumstance. The Spirit of God is my supply. I'm steady under pressure and I'm ready for whatever because whatever comes my way today, the outcome is I overcome. Christ is in me. I am enough. I can handle it. I can't afford to stay afraid or let my faith hesitate. My purpose is at stake. And he who called me is faithful. His strength in me is greater than any pain I feel or enemy I face. The promise of God is mine for the taking. Every plan he has made is guaranteed to come to pass. It will happen. If I don't back down, if I won't let go, it will happen. If I don't stop short, if I won't sell out, it will happen by faith. But faith doesn't take the fear away. It teaches me to fight it. So bring the battle. I'm ready now. I got something for Goliath. I can handle it. My power flows from presence. So I won't stay stuck in what was or worry about what will be. My regrets have been redeemed and my tests have become my lessons. My focus is fixed and my heart is expected. I'm set. I'm not nervous about what's next because my eyes are on the throne. I trust the one who's in complete control, the one who already knows how he's going to work it according to his purpose. Even the worst situations are sure to turn in my favor. If I keep moving forward, keep moving toward him, God is with me in this moment. And whatever happens, I can handle it. I know my help comes from above. So if fear insists on knocking, I'll meet it at the door. Life might give me bad news, but I've still got a good report. I can handle it. If I fall, if I fail, I'll handle it. Grace will give me what it takes to carry on. I can handle it. I have humbled myself under the mighty hand of God. Christ is in me. I am enough. And when the time is right, he'll lift me up. Till then, the lion may roar, but I see his leash, so I keep moving forward, because I've been down before, but my hope knows how to bounce back from rock bottom. What I need, God's got it, and I'm stronger, I'm better, instead of, I'm ready, I'm focused, I'm hopeful, no hiding, I'm ready, I'm stronger, I'm better, instead of, I'm ready. Y'all awake now? Hey? Some of you would like me like, what was that? That guy was screaming a lot. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun just to play that. Out of, you know, there's a couple of lines in there. Obviously, the lion, I could see the lion's leash, you know, may roar, but my faith knows how to bounce back from rock bottom what I need God's got. And uh, there was also the phrase in there, I can handle it a lot. I just want to say that that, that phrase, I think, is only made possible by the line beforehand, which says what, um, in his name, uh, you know, in his name, 
Who felt like doing press-ups or something during that or like going for a run or something? <laughs> so number one, courage is caught. Number two, courage is carried. And number three, therefore, encourage. A few years ago, um, I think it was actually for my folks, they um, bought me a, uh, a lesson to go kiteboarding. I thought it'd be awesome to learn how to kiteboard. You know, that one where you're flying a kite on the water. On, uh, there's a picture of it, actually. Uh, I've got a slide there. Uh, so I thought, great, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be doing this. It's going to be super. And I went out to Nelson, and we I didn't even get off the beach. Uh, you got to. What I realized afterwards is you've got to learn to fly the kite before you, they, they give you a, a board. You didn't even get a board. Uh, and the thing is, I was thinking about that, and because if you don't learn how to find the kite, the next slide, um, this uh, you, you're going to get hurt pretty much, and this sort of thing happens. That's not myself. See, what has that got to do with anything in terms of encouragement? I think sometimes we think, oh, man, there was a message about church on Sunday about encouraging people. This week, I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to just get encouraged. But, see, I, I purposely put in point one and point two before point three because only when we understand point one and point two, the one, the giver of courage, and that we can carry his courage in our weeks, are we ever going to have lasting change in terms of being an encouraging person because of Jesus in us? One comes before the other, horse before the cart. See, there's some scriptures around this, if you don't believe me. Next slide. It says, after that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, note therefore, encourage one another with these words. Next slide. It says, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. Anyone glad for salvation this morning? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, another word, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just in the fact that you are doing. The word therefore is, there's a reason that word is therefore. Huh. It's only because of what, when we understand Jesus and what he's done for us and how courageous he is that we can begin to encourage. Although I'm supposed to be uh, talking on how we encourage each other. So I've got a few practical points. A, if someone's seeking encouragement, why don't you give it to them? Encouragement. Sometimes there's some needy people in your lives that may be always seeking encouragement. I'm like that sometimes. But if someone's seeking to it, why do we withhold it? Oh, we don't want to let them get a big head. We give them too much encouragement, so they're doing too awesome. I don't want, you know? Who? What? Like, encourage them. B, there's always something to encourage someone about something about someone, even if they're, you know, difficult to encourage. They might have nice shoes. Tell them they've got nice shoes. Might have a nice T-shirt. No, it's a nice T-shirt. Just find something to encourage them about. See, encouragement can flow to prophecy without being weird. So, for instance, I can say to Kent, Kent, I um, think you've got cool shoes. But, uh, man, I think the stuff that you're doing with kids is awesome in the kids' ministry and church. And I just believe, man, that you're just going to make it in a lasting impact on those kids' lives. And the things that God's doing through you is more than you can ever understand. That wasn't weird. He's like, oh, thanks. But I was, if I was hearing from God and speaking into that space, maybe I'm speaking the heart of God into where Kent's going to go. D, encourage those who don't seem to need it. Classic is like your boss at work or Pastor Dave, who's got it all together. Actually, no, we can be the people. We don't know what's going on behind people's facades. 
And we can be the people that bring encouragement into that space, into those people's lives who don't seem to need it. Is this good? I want to talk just in closing around um, those that really feel discouraged this morning. And you came into this place and you think, yeah, I'm putting on a smile, and, and, but I'm, I'm quite discouraged in life. And whether it might be in faith or what. See, the thing is that the enemy tries to isolate and push us out, uh, you know, separate us from the flock of sheep or whatever and pick off the weakest. And, and discouragement is a classic for that. In the Bible, uh, there's a guy called Elijah who, who had a particularly discouraging time. And he actually ran away, so a woman wanted to kill him, uh, and he was afraid of the woman. Classic. Um, he went and hid in a cave, and, uh, you know, he said to God in that space, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. God came back and said, actually, there's like 7,000 others who are like on your side. He just wasn't aware of that. And I just want to say to someone this morning, if you're in a place that you're really discouraged, that you're not the only one, that you're actually not the only one, that there's people in the room here who are probably struggling with the same things. I've been prone over my life to struggle with worry and anxiety, and I know that I'm not the only one. For in my weakness, he is strong. And the more that I, I, the more that I talk about uh, our struggle, and we talk about our struggles together, we find strength because we know that we're not the only one. That Jesus Christ, in our weakness, he is strong. And he's going to change the things in us and give us courage to overcome them. How good is Jesus? And I just want to say this morning that if you're feeling really discouraged, that when you're discouraged, Jesus himself comes to you by his Holy Spirit. Elijah, when he was discouraged in the cave, Jesus himself came. God came himself and spoke. When he was at a time of faith, Earlier in the Bible, he was in a time of faith, and God gave him food through the ravens, through the birds. So it's one thing to be in a time of, of faith in God providing to you, but when you're in discouragement, Jesus himself comes to you. The road of Emmaus after Jesus died, and, and uh, he had he'd actually risen again, but there were two disciples, and I've heard it said actually, it might, they might have been um, husband and wife, who knows. They were on the road to a place called Emmaus. Totally discouraged, totally discouraged, perhaps they had seen Jesus, the one that they hoped and just, just crucified and, 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 and dead. Their dreams were dead. Their dreams, their hopes for the future were dead as far as they were concerned. And they were really discouraged. They actually kind of walked out in the church too. They were like, well, we're going to Emmaus. Leave all you believers there. We're outies. Jesus himself came to them. Jesus himself, it said, appeared to them. If I could have um, Charlotte up on the keys, that'd be cool. The reason why we ask, I heard a joke, it was quite funny actually, some of the guys were at the meeting conference. The reason why we get someone up on the keys is because uh, it makes, from this point forward, you remember everything that I say, sounds more epic. And uh, what key are you going to play in, Roseanne? Yeah, I'm preaching in C, so it's yeah, such in sync. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, hey, look, if, if you're in a space here this morning, I just want to say, how about we stand to our feet for a moment? Sometimes I think, you know, when we read Bible stories, we think, man, those disciples had it good. Jesus himself came to them in the person, like he'd, he'd like, he showed up and he was literally walking along beside them. Where are you now, Jesus? 
There's a slide up on the screen. I'm going to read through this. It says, As they talked and discussed these things with each other, that's the two disciples, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Why did, why? Would you just show up and just show up? Don't hide yourself from people. But it says in verse 27, this is in Luke 15. There's the next slide. It says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. See, why did God hide himself from those people initially? I heard it said because God thought it more beneficial for the believers to see Jesus in his words than to see him in the person. See, what do we have today? We have the Spirit of God and we have the Word of God. We're in the same boat. You're in the same boat today. Don't think, man, where's Jesus in my situation? Jesus is right where you are right now by his Spirit and he's given you his Word. How do we know this? Because further, when he revealed himself to the people, they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture within us? His hearts burn within them. Sounds to me like courage came. When did it come? When he was concealed from them, but revealed in his word. And I believe some people here this morning who think, where's Jesus in my situation? Won't he show up to me? Why don't you just, if we could just close our eyes for a moment, I just want to give people some space to contemplate what I've just been talking about and maybe where there's a giant that's been yelling you down. Number one, Jesus has given you the courage. Courage is caught when we look to Jesus. And if you're already looking to Jesus this morning, half the battle's done, yeah? Because then once you catch it, you're going to carry it and you'll be able to encourage people some more. If that's you this morning, if you think, man, I'm just really, really discouraged, I want to pray for you. I just want to pray that there's going to be freedom. You're going to realize that Jesus is more closer than you think. You're more close to your answer than you think because he is your answer. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray. Everyone's got their eyes closed. If you want to be respond to God in your own way by lifting a hand, just you just feel free to do that. And I'm going to pray. God sees our, all of our hearts. I don't need to see any hands. He knows exactly where you're at. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are the God of encouragement. We thank you that no matter what happens, today is a new day. And Lord, every situation is sure to turn out for our favor because you are the one who turns bad for good in our lives. And Lord Jesus, this morning, I know that there's a lot of people in this room who are discouraged in some way or form. We may hide it on our face, but there's an area of our life where we feel a bit discouraged this morning or we may feel a heat. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that by your Spirit, you would come in person to each of us, Lord. May our hearts be warmed as you speak to us even now in this moment, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good.